Hey, wonderfuls. Welcome to episode 305 of the podcast with my guest, Rachel McElroy. What a delight and a joy it was to record Rachel. And I hope you enjoy the episode as much as I enjoyed doing it. I have a very strong feeling that you will, Rachel, of course, being a fellow MaxFun podcaster. We will talk more about that in the episode. I wanted to quickly shout out Nicole uh, for her wonderful email. Of course, I am up in San Francisco getting ready for opening night. Uh, this episode will drop essentially on opening day of Sketchfest, where we will be looking forward to about 18-ish days of uh, events, and hopefully some of you will be joining me here in San Francisco. You also have an opportunity to join me at PodX. That is all the way in uh, May. It's actually the last weekend of May, so it's May 31st and then June 1st and 2nd, 2019. It's going to be at the Music City Center in Nashville, Tennessee, and it is sort of a mix of festival, convention, conference. There's going to be a ton of podcasts there, sort of living outside the realm of comedy podcasts, lots of kind of true crime podcasts and science podcasts, news podcasts, um, and I'm excited to be a part of that. If you're interested in going, you may use the link podx.com backslash jvclub for tickets. I, uh, yeah, I'm really, really excited about it because the Undisclosed team is going to be there and anybody who listens to my podcast knows I'm a huge nerdy fan. So my number one goal is to become best friends with all of them. All right. I hope everyone is having a lovely week this January and I will speak to you soon. How's your how's your Sunday uh, treating you? Why am I going right into like is this this is a, a Sunday specific podcast? <laughs> As you know, it's maybe Sunday Club. <laughs> It'd be cool if it were like a Sunday like last like S U N D A E Club. <laughs> I mean, I guess then you would just be talking about ice cream for an hour, so maybe that isn't great after all. I guess neither is great. It. I guess I could do a, it. I guess this has been an abject failure on all counts. Uh, <laughs> Let me ask you two things. First of all, I do want to know how your Sunday's going. Um, my Sunday is going really well. We uh, have been taking it real easy. Uh, our son, who is now two, is obsessed with Mickey Mouse Club. Okay. Uh, and so we are able to put that on the TV for hours at a time. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> so. I got a first uh, clear to the air that I did not realize that the Mickey Mouse Club was still a thing. Well, so there's a show called Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, uh, which is like an animated Disney show that features all the Mickey Mouse characters. Um, but it's not like, you know, the Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake version. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I feel I I had a sense of I when I was little and we first got cable, I do feel that there were reruns of the like original Mickey Mouse Club on, which... Looking back, like that was utterly unrelatable on so many levels. Like the, the, <laughs> the amount of things that change between the nineteen like fifties, early sixties, and when you know, like anything past that time feels so sort of like oh, kids. I can't even yeah, imagine for sure. how, how out of out of touch that would be. Uh, my second question is if you were to have a, a Sunday, like a Sunday Sunday, what would you want oh. to be in your Sunday? <laughs> I'm really 
<laughs> trying to turn it into a real thing. Is this going to be like a new segment? <laughs> this is my brand new segment. But only when I record on Sundays, which is fairly rare. So mm-hmm. this could be, it could end up being a one-off after all. Uh, okay. So it's been a while since I've had a Sunday, but when I go to like a Froyo place, um, I like, I mean, I like Crushems for sure. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait, what's a Crushem? Oh, just like uh, little candy sprinkles, like like okay. mashed up peanuts and and Reese's okay. cups and that kind of now, thing. So, so that's a term because I because obviously you know listen I I I've enjoyed my share of what I now know I should be calling crushums, um, but I didn't know that that was like a that sounds like a trademark term almost crushums. That's just <laughs> it, anything you have that's a topping that has been altered in some way rather than like a straightforward like mini m&m we're talking yeah. about crushums like we it crush has up like the a crunch we... yeah but it really is just somebody like crushing something up right yes yes okay. <laughs> i don't i don't know if that is a an industry standard um okay. my husband my husband griffin used to work at tcby when he was a teen uh-huh. uh, and he has brought some of the lingo into our house <laughs> And now I'm not sure if it's actual or just like his specific experience. Right, right. Crushums. I think that's great. Um, yeah. Okay. So I like a crushum also. I like mm-hmm. you. You moved right into the Froyo realm, which I think is smart because I do agree that that is more pervasive and probably a more likely thing to partake of uh, as an adult than just like sitting down for a, a, <laughs> yeah. a robust ice cream sundae. <laughs> Uh, so good call. Now, do you do any of the, and listen, I can only assume this is also, uh, an industry term that I'm somehow intuiting is real. How about, uh, drisms? <laughs> Which, I'm sure you know what I mean because of Griffin's past working. Uh, I mean, I like a chocolate syrup. Okay, great. Uh, I would do a caramel. Great. As I would do, like, you would do it. You would do it like eh, like if somebody is well, pressuring you, you would do it. Well, like if I were sending somebody out with a list of ingredients to the grocery uh-huh. store, I would yeah. not require caramel, but I will yes. take it if it yes. is available. Yes. And then as far as the fruit flavors, you know, like the strawberries, I yeah. if I'm having ice cream, I'm not having fruit, you know? Could, agree more. Like, could not agree more. <laughs> Maybe you could sweet talk me into a banana because I do have fond yeah. memories of banana splits and i like the frozen chocolate bananas like on a stick at disneyland and stuff mm-hmm. um but yeah agree by, by and large particularly in like the berry family I, I, i'm not gonna do it but does that for you transfer to like would you have like a pie or a cobbler do you enjoy fruit a, as a dessert in that context i do yes yeah. but that's a totally different realm to me <laughs> It is a different realm. If I'm in the mood for, yeah, if I'm if I'm going froyo with toppings, that's a mm-hmm. different mood altogether than like, exactly. You want some piping hot crumble? Would you a la mode that? Do you a la mode? Do you bring ice cream back into the situation if it's fruit related, but it's a pie or a crumble? Yeah, but only ice cream. If you think about a sundae, that's like ice cream, you know, plus you know, three to five ingredients. But like yeah. pie. Just one scoop of ice cream. I don't add like crushums on my pie. <laughs> 
that really is like that would that would sort of be the you know the the Kentucky Fried Chicken or the Taco Bell response of you know this taco shell is made of Dorito chips and then inside <laughs> that is a flour tortilla and then inside that is like a burrito and then inside the burrito is a one tiny taco. Uh, it does feel like a little bit of overkill. That makes me picture like Taco Bell employees with tiny tweezers just like delicately <laughs> placing the it tiny taco. Real cute. Yeah. It real qu- Once you get into the world of miniatures, uh, any regular <laughs> listener knows, I'm probably inclined to give that a big thumbs up, even if it's a tiny, <laughs> awful taco. Yeah, this has changed everything for me. Tweezers. And they have to like, they wear like real, they're sort of like a microscopic kind of like a, <laughs> like a binocular, but microscopic to really be able to see down in there. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. Um, did you pl- did you have miniatures growing up or you? Uh, uh, <laughs> and by the way, I'm not limiting that to uh, your childhood because I still enjoy a miniature. But um, I mean, can you tell me what constitutes a miniature? <laughs> you said that as if that was like such a common question. <laughs> OK, <laughs> let me specify. I would say a miniature is anything that, you know, you normally see in the context of being quote unquote life size as relates to us. So it could be a vase of flowers. It could be a plate of, you know, it could be a little pie, a nice hearty apple pie. Uh, it could be a chair. Once you shrink that puppy down, it could be in railroad scale, which, you know, for model railroads, that's different kind of sizing than like dollhouse miniatures. But, uh, you know, and also like I feel like the Japanese. I don't know if they're necessarily as into dollhouses, but they like t- tiny. Th- you know, like a shrunken down version. I say that like there's a machine that actually is exists, <laughs> that shrink down real things. Something made to look, you know, but at a certain scale. Maybe it's like a one inch for every, you know, like a one inch for every foot or something like that. Like a half. Sometimes there's a half half inch scale. Now I'm really getting into it. Look, here's, <laughs> yeah. the, here's the honest truth. Rachel, I did work at a miniature store uh, when okay. I moved to San Francisco. So when I was okay. like 19, I, I worked at it at a very upscale miniature store called the Treasure House. I guess I'm assuming that everyone <laughs> has an understanding of miniatures. I shouldn't expect that. Did you have a dollhouse? I did have a dollhouse. Aha! Yes, I did have a dollhouse. I ex- It was actually really cool. My mom uh, was a teacher forever, and she worked at this private school um, that had this really large wood dollhouse that was constructed and was used in foreign language classrooms, I guess. So oh. the kids could learn, you know, common foreign language words in terms of the dollhouse. And they were, I guess, planning to get rid of it. My mom snatched it up for me when I was little and it was incredible. It was like three feet tall, made out of wood, had like real carpet samples in it and like little tiny antique furniture miniatures. Uh, and yeah, I, I, man, that was a big hit and you know, what was great. So I had a lot of Pee-wee's Playhouse action figures and they fit perfectly inside the dollhouse as did my little She-Ra. So I, I had this ongoing relationship between Pee-wee Herman and (laughs) She-Ra that existed in my dollhouse. It was incredible. See, this is the kind of absurdist surrealism that I feel like we as children embrace. Uh, and I think that, you know, if we're very lucky, we we carry a bit of that absurdist kind of nature in into mm-hmm. adulthood so that everything doesn't have to be uber logical because I couldn't relate more. I did also have <laughs> She-Ra. 
dolls. I mm-hmm. don't remember. I mean, I certainly remember her. I I was just thinking about this the other day, and I like refused to go online to check because I I, I really <laughs> wanted to get there myself, and so I still haven't looked. But I'm I'm struggling to remember the other you know, players in that game. I'm struggling to, I'm struggling to remember. I do feel there was an evil one that of course was my favorite, which is probably true of, of many of us. Cause the villain is kind of sometimes the most fun. I one. think if I remember correctly, there was a woman with dark hair and I think her name was Catra. Oh, for sure. Catra. Oh, she was very okay. sexy as you mm-hmm. would be if you had mm-hmm. the word cat in your name. Yeah. Catra. And then I think there was, wasn't there one with red hair who sort of had a wicked yes. look to her? Yes, but I didn't have that doll. I just had She-Ra and Catra. I don't know that you need many more than that, although I (laughs) I, I am going to have to go online and find out who this this bewitching redhead was. It is interesting Um, because I don't remember anything about the show either. I don't know what what it was about the toys. I guess because there weren't a lot of female action figures in the time period. Uh, but I remember nothing about the show. I don't even think I really watched the show that much. I don't think I did either. <laughs> I don't think I did either, but I but I absolutely felt passionately about the action figures. It's the same. It didn't really translate into wanting to see those characters acting out something that didn't involve my imagination, but, but the, mm-hmm. the, the dolls themselves were extremely satisfying, and I agree with you. I think having those very powerful i mean they were very muscular i mean sure they still had like they were very hourglass as i recall yes, yes. uh so they still had they were still painted in the male gaze um <laughs> but uh but yeah there was something very very satisfying i mean shira was clearly you know like i don't you feel she had a shield at least like, i mean she there was definitely mm-hmm. like a the, absolutely a sense of this very very powerful warrior and i love that she also existed in a dollhouse with peewee with peewee herman i and, know right uh, and the rest that of- kind of universe where somebody like peewee would be with somebody like she-ra is the kind of world i want to live in oh my god <laughs> everything is upside down about that and i love it what did he, I, I guess i didn't realize and i loved peewee's playhouse as well i it i did not realize that there were action figures i definitely had a peewee doll but he was you know his head was the size of like a, a baseball so he was not yeah he was miniature um, in some sense, but he is definitely not dollhouse <laughs> size. What other action figures came with, with like you get Cherry or, you know, like who is uh, Terry and Cherry? Who were the so other? All, all I know is what I had, which was uh, Cowboy Curtis, okay. uh, King of Cartoons, okay. um, Missy Vaughn, I think you could so get. these are just the people. These aren't as much the furniture. Yeah. Although yeah. I did have a little tiny um you know the little puppet the cool cat and the yeah 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 chicky baby i had those little puppets yeah i had randy um (laughs) so they did make even smaller versions that were like to scale of the like supporting characters as well don't you do you think there was ever a conversation with Lawrence fishburne and his agent where his agent was like if you do this no one will ever take you seriously again no one will ever cast you in anything where you will be able to be a serious actor. And he was like, that's a chance I'm willing to take. And boy, that agent was wrong. I know. That's very true. And he didn't get typecast either. He wasn't like always, you know, cowboys after that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And now that I think about it, I would probably buy like a six set, you know, six piece set of just Lawrence Fishburne action figures. uh, (laughs) If you could just break down all the different 
totally absurdly different and wonderful characters he's played over the years. So I like where this is going. God, we're going to be rich, you and me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, okay. Well, I appreciate, first of all, I appreciate your mom's uh, smarts in that she saw an opportunity and said, are you crazy? Don't get rid of that. Second of all, it does make me kind of sad that they were going to get rid of it because I'm worried that that marks the beginning of the end of foreign languages being taught in schools. <laughs> well, it was very large, to be fair. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, you know, it was maybe like two feet wide and like three feet tall. It, it was a it was a considerable investment of classroom space, I'm sure. It was like, do we want to keep the dollhouse or do we want to let two more kids in the classroom? <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah also i guess you know it's f- i guess that it's f- that sounds really fun but when i really think about like a classroom full of kids like it's not as if you know even 15 people are going to be crowding around picking up little things and exactly at any given time so i'm starting to wonder yeah really if like it was just sounds like it was just a fun bonus to learning because mm-hmm. i don't know that you're teacher picking up like a tiny plate the size of a quarter and holding it up <laughs> for the whole class to have to squint at and try to identify is is that different than just holding up a, like a photo that's human size or a size that would be a little more visible to people um now what happened to it after you were done with it this is a, probably it has not become a family heirloom that has stayed around no it is still <gasps> in my parents house oh good my mom can't bring herself to get rid of it and she keeps kind of checking in with me and saying like is this something you would want for your kid but the logistics of trying to get it to where we live so i am from st louis missouri originally and I am now in Austin, Texas. And it's the kind of thing I don't think you could ship. I think you would actually like have to put on a truck. Just like the <laughs> so, big size uh, houses, like the prefab houses. Yeah. There's gonna, they would have to have like a wide load, like lights shining. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we're moving a house here, people. We're going to be going, probably going to be going about 20 miles an hour on the freeway, pulled all the way over to the right hand side. They'd bring it in two pieces. <laughs> two pieces and two separate trucks. <laughs> I would love, and not to give you a homework assignment, but I would love to uh, get my hands on a picture of it. Maybe we could tweet it out or put it on Instagram because yeah. if, if, if if even five people who listen to this feel um, as excited as I do about wanting to see the stall house, I think it's I think it's well worth it. Um, do you think you already have a picture floating around, or are you gonna now it becomes your mom's responsibility? Exactly. Great. Yeah, I will have her take a picture. Great, 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 great. <laughs> Um, and do you remember playing with it as, as with other people, or was that really more of an isolated, like just you time playing with that dollhouse? It was both for yeah. sure. I mean, so I'm an only child, so Girl. if I didn't have mm-hmm. friends over, it was me. Me too. <laughs> just me. Me too. <laughs> it was interesting because you know, as an only child, you develop kind of your own storylines and fictions, mm-hmm. and then people would come over, and I'd have to like catch them up. I'd be like, okay, so Pee Wee is with Shira. <laughs> First and foremost, just so you know, it's a love affair for the ages. You need to know. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I mean, and and did you did you experience any of the sort of like? I feel like from a very young age, I was sort of told, and tangentially, I feel like this is, this also kind of applies to these other things that, like like um, you know, for example, like your Chinese zodiac or your or your sort of cosmetology zodiac cosmetology nope um <laughs> but the, but the sort of standard i don't know what it i i don't really know the the or i realize that right now i don't know the origin of of what american 
zodiac like is it greek is it a mix of a few different things i don't i, I realize i don't actually know but the sort of idea of when like how young are you when someone in your life or various people in your life sort of tell you what they expect you to be like because of this kind of arbitrary thing but that's something that humans really enjoy right is sort of classifying things and categorizing things because it helps us all feel safer somehow but do you remember people telling you i promise this is going somewhere which is not always the case on this podcast <laughs> do you remember people kind of telling you what an only child is like do you know what i mean like do you do you do, you, do you, yes right because i did too and i and i remember being like very anxious about that kind of early on like oh oh i'm oh i'm meant to be selfish or i'm meant to be you know what i mean uh-huh did you experience that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did. I mean, I, I don't remember it like very specifically, but I know that I, I felt it really important to not come across as spoiled, you know, or stubborn or, you know, like somebody that has difficulty like sharing, yeah. you yeah. know, like I I remember specifically trying to work against that stereotype. Me too. Um, and being like, you know, thoughtful of it. But most of my friends, you know, I didn't really have any other only child friends until I was maybe in middle school or high school. Yeah. Most of most of my friends had siblings and I my very best friend when I was little had uh, two sisters and a brother. And I used to love going over to her house because there was just like so much activity and there was always noise and my house always seemed very like quiet and you know like plain by comparison <laughs> <laughs> did uh were, did your parents stay together when you were younger yes are then they're still together now yes that's awesome uh yeah at least you okay so you had like a two you had a three person unit my my parents split up when I was so 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 young and neither ever remarried so if you want to just remove one other person and make the house even more quiet <laughs> that was yeah that was, uh that was my experience. But do you feel that, um, did, and was that something that you longed for? Or did you just like the break of going over to your friend's house, but that didn't necessarily translate into, oh, I wish I had siblings? I think I wanted siblings when I was little because I really idealized it. I thought like, oh, this is a playmate. This is somebody, you know, who can like do activities with me. Because for a while it was always like me and my dad playing board games. Uh -huh. And there's like... <laughs> There's a certain point where I'm like, huh, this is, this feels weird. This doesn't feel, this game is for seven-year-olds and for some reason. <laughs> um, but then I got older and I really appreciated like having, you know, my space and, and my freedom to kind of do whatever I wanted, yeah. you know, and not have to always be, you know, compared to somebody else or whatever. I, I will say that that was a blessing and a curse because I definitely felt like in my teen years, I got like more scrutiny, you know, mm -hmm. like, and, and especially when I would come home from college, it was like, it was just me. It was like the Rachel show. Like, <laughs> and that was a little bit tricky too. Trotting but out those I, board games. Let's play some of those old board games <laughs> that now we're both awkwardly too old for. And now there's really no reason to play them. What expound a little bit on that? What 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 do you mean by the Rachel show? Was it was it really like your parents were so excited and and it became kind of your entire time home should be spent with us or? Yeah, yeah, a little bit that. I mean, I think there was always kind of balancing, you know, my desire to kind of like be independent and see my friends and and do things, you know, as an adult, and then also like 
you know, be my parents' only child, you know, returned, you know, from college or wherever and, and give them kind of what they wanted too, you know? And I think that's something only children kind of experience of like, you know, this, this is it for you. (laughs) Like I, I I am, I am your only reflection of you and I, you know, I need to be, you know, available for all of your needs. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. That's what it says in the only child handbook. (laughs) Okay. We're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. The news today is terrible, so why not forget about it while listening to Jonah Radio uh, with Cash Hartzell. Hey, everybody. Featuring Neil Mahoney. Also me. This is a podcast where we play music submitted by a listener. We hang out, we listen to new tunes, and uh, we take submissions at JonahRadio, R-A-Y-D-I-O, at gmail.com. Come and check us out. We're here anyway. Yeah, we'll be here. So, and that's it. Back to your regularly scheduled uh, podcast. Did, did you end up going, you didn't go to the, the private school that your mom taught at, did you? No, I did not. What, where, what, what was your high school experience like in, in St. Louis? Uh, I mean, it was very idyllic. You know, it's Midwestern. It's, it, my mom ended up moving to this other district called Webster Groves, which was, uh, you know, like one high school, one middle school, and then kind of a handful of elementary schools, very like upper middle class. And it was not actually the neighborhood I lived in, but since my mom taught in that district, that's where I went to school. Um, and so it was very like, we had a rival football team and like a, and like a homecoming game every year and, and like a, a spring dance that was called, I think the sweetheart dance, you know, it was oh, wow. very like very 1950s. You know, I was going to say, it sounds like you would have related to the Mickey Mouse club, uh, reruns from, <laughs> yeah. from the very old days, but that, and, but, and your mom taught at that high school? Uh, no, she taught kindergarten. She taught kindergarten. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of my friends actually had her as a teacher, uh, cause we were in the same district. Um, but yeah, no, she was removed from the, from the high school. Gotcha. I think in my mind, I, I equated your mom as being a high school teacher because of the dollhouse being used to teach foreign languages. Um, mm-hmm. so I did a lot of, uh, mental gymnastics there. And also probably <laughs> I was getting more and more excited because I, because I did go to the high school where my dad taught. So then I really was going to be like, oh, <laughs> we're both only children. What are the chances? <laughs> what, are the chances? Um, what did your dad teach at the high school? He taught English. He taught English. Oh. So yeah, he was my senior senior English teacher. He taught like he taught uh, advanced placement English, and then he taught sort of um, remedial uh, English for to seniors, um, like kids who, which essentially just meant kids who were sort of blowing off going to classes or you know just not sort of not engaged um and so his he he really got excited about trying to find books that you know that kids would enjoy reading and that that he could sort of he really did I think there was a there was an element of him that did kind of have that sort of dangerous minds like Michelle Pfeiffer turning the the chair the other way (laughs) yes exactly um 
he would he would he 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 got excited about you know like the, that those are stories that he still recounts to me is is you know some of the like, like the tough kids um because my public school was was very large and very diverse and so you know he would have he he, he would he still remember stories where like somebody comes up to him at the end of the semester and is like you know Mr. Varney, I never thought I would like Louis L'Amour. Like, I thought I hated books. You know, that just like moved him deeply, which is wonderful, you know, which is sort of what you hope that a, a teacher will get to experience is to kind of treasure. Was those, that, you know. was that embarrassing for you that your dad was teaching such a like emotional class? <laughs> Because I feel like if he was like a geometry teacher, yeah. for example, or a gym teacher, it was just kind of like, you know, he's just doing his job. Yeah. But I feel like with an English teacher, like, you know, you talk about some like real personal stuff through the the adventure of literature. First of all, I need you to begin teaching English immediately because you recognize <laughs> that there is an adventure to literature reading. Uh, you know, I, first of all, that's a very insightful question and I had never really thought about that before um but yes I mean I think there's a level of like I never went through a phase with my dad where I was embarrassed by him particularly or you know I didn't have that sort of roll your eyes like I mean I guess I did but not in a way that was you know we never were at odds really and and I I thought he was a terrific teacher and um and so there were there. I remember there being a couple of times where you know friends of mine who were in my English class with with him would would kind of very lightly joke about some mannerism of my dad's or something. But there was <laughs> always an eye to me of like I don't know how like she may not think this is fun. Like she may not have a sense of humor about this. She might be very defensive yeah. about her dad. Um, the only thing I can think of, to be honest with you about that, is that my dad says incidentally a lot. And I re- just remember a couple of my <laughs> friends sort of incorporating that into their vocabulary with like a wink at me and me thinking, you know, me being like, shut up. I mean, he, yeah, he does say incidentally a lot. I guess that's kind of a segue. Um, but, but, wow, that is, yeah. that is not nearly as bad <laughs> really, as I thought it could uh, be. It's really very small. I was talking about, you know, a lot of the books you read like have romantic scenes in them and I and I thought you were gonna say like oh yeah my dad was up there talking about Romeo and Juliet and their right their teen love and I had to sit there yeah I I don't remember anything like that I mean I definitely remember like first of all I I don't think we did now I realize my segue is first of all uh I don't think we I don't think we read (laughs) I'm now I'm getting really granular I don't believe we read Romeo and Juliet (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think it only have been that one. We didn't read any uh, books with love in them. <laughs> I remember reading Cyrano de Bergerac, which I don't think has a lot of, you know, particularly suggestive stuff. It's I think it's more just pure kind of romantic sort of stuff. But but my dad is a very emotional guy. And whereas my mom is, is not a particularly emotional woman uh, in terms of what she expresses, my dad is very emotional. And so I don't think he's gotten through, he retired uh, when he turned 50, but I, I, in his entire career of teaching, I'm not sure he got through talking about how Cyrano de Bergerac ends up, you know, dying and, 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 and loving Roxanne so much. I don't know that he ever got through uh, like a, a semester without getting really, you know, emotional and sort of like having tears in his eyes as he's talking about oh. it. He just never got tired of it. That reminds me of my freshman year, my 
teacher, my English teacher, Agnes Gregg, who I loved, she taught uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, and she would still get emotional at the end when Atticus is like at the end of the, you know, the trial and there's the verdict read and uh, Scout is up in the balcony Um, and she would have somebody else read that in class because it made her too emotional to read it herself. And I just remember thinking like, you teach this every year. That is incredible. I know, right? (laughs) I mean, that really, I think that's a real insight into the kind of character, the soul of a literature teacher maybe is that you, that you be, that you in a perfect world to be a great teacher you're able to tap into that in in a way that is almost like acting. I mean, I, I think that's my dad was very performative, yeah. you know, and so it's not a coincidence that I became um, an an actor of sorts. But but yeah, he I think the ability to 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 continue to d- like really deep dive into that stuff and let it affect you year after year is probably the same thing that you know it's very much of of a piece of of why people are beloved as teachers for so many years because they keep some in some way they're able to keep it fresh and really mm-hmm. actually connect to the material and and have it seem important rather than yeah like the first five years you teach something you're really passionate about it and then you get tired of it and then you just sort of pass that boredom along to your students yeah exactly what kind of people were you hanging out with in in high school were they um was there a certain kind of group or uh so I was in marching band <laughs> <laughs> which I like, I'm always hesitant to share because I, I was not a particularly um, enthusiastic uh, performer. Yeah. I was in it because that was what all my friends did. Should I guess you know? what I instrument didn't... you played? I'm nervous that you're going to yes, say before please, I have a Please, please do. I mean, listen, I don't know. This is, I mean, I'm, this is coming from no information whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a dollhouse. You know, I like peewee. You know what I'd put on my frozen yogurt. This is, I, I like that you're bringing all of this back because it's this is make, like a BuzzFeed yeah, quiz. It's making me feel like that should be enough information for me to guess what instrument. I missed something. Something about the crunchums. Um... Uh, this is very hard. First of all, I'm struggling to remember all the instruments that are in a marching band. <laughs> like for a second, I was going to say violin, and then I realized that's probably <laughs> that would not be a incredible. component of a marching band. <sighs> and I don't. And I also am very, I'm very worried about being sexist. Like I don't want to put you into the reed category and not the percussion <laughs> category. Just be, and then have someone think it's because. Somehow I believe that women are too weak to hold a large drum in a marching band type scenario. So I'm really feeling a lot of pressure. Um, If you were not that enthusiastic about it, that's helpful to me because I'm I'm feeling that you would perhaps not have picked an incredibly difficult instrument because that might that might inform this idea of maybe some passion do you know what i'm saying like what's going to be interesting to me is if you weren't that enthusiastic about it but you also played something like the flute because to me the flute seems like kind of a hard instrument to get good at i did play the flute Ah! (laughs) fascinating yeah when did you start playing the flute did you start playing it to be in, in middle school okay. sixth grade sixth grade yeah our marching band didn't start until freshman year of high school um and i think part of the reason i did marching band was one the sixth grade teacher also taught high school marching band at the time and i liked him 
Um, and all my friends were going to do it too. Cause I was, I was friends with, I would say kind of the, the ambitious overachievers. <laughs> um, and, and I had kind of a, a side pocket of people that were maybe less ambitious, but like when I was in middle school, the biggest group of people I was friends with were all going to do marching band. And so I was like, well, okay. Uh, and I, I, I really liked it, but for kind of the social aspect more than the, uh, you know, like I didn't take private lessons. I didn't practice. I was never good at memorization. So I would always play like half a song <laughs> <laughs> and then just kind of move my fingers around. <laughs> You're lucky not everyone did that. Or it would just be so odd that suddenly it just got, you know, very, very much more quiet. For the entire band. And I, I didn't, so a lot of people that did marching band and during the fall semester would do concert band in the spring and I would always bail in the spring because I was like, eh, I don't really want to do this all year. Yeah. What is the difference? So concert would, you would be. You sit in a chair. Not, not marching in place. Do you, do you do concerts or is that just a term? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they would, they would do concerts. Um, and I think one year I actually kind of regretted my choice. I think it was junior year. They all went some, like they went to New York or something. There was some big trip and I was like, oh, I really should have stuck it out. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was um, my only chance to go to New York. I'll never get to go. <laughs> <laughs> what made you choose the flute? Uh, it's actually, it's, it's kind of a lazy reason. My mom played the flute in high school and we had a flute in the house that she used to play. And I thought, well, we already have it. So yeah. Did she, first, that's very practical. That's very practical. And, uh, I think that's probably fairly common. I think if there is a, if there is something in the house, I would, I would say it's like, it seems likely to me that that would mm -hmm. end up being for one reason or the other, that, that that would end up being maybe the instrument someone would play. Um, did your, when you say your mom played it, do you don't mean like, did you do, do, would she still pull it out and play it sometimes? No. Okay. No. It was just there. Yes. She must've been so excited to dust that thing off for you. <laughs> yeah. Although I did make her, um, I, I, at some point I needed an upgrade because I, I realized that this kind of vintage flute case <laughs> I was carrying around was not like exactly appropriate because a lot of my, um, you know, colleagues in the marching band, <laughs> um, you know, took private lessons and had like really nice instruments because they had really made the investment in it. And at a certain point I was like, oh, I, I should probably get a nicer more updated flute mm -hmm. to kind of pass as somebody who cares about what I'm doing. Right. right. <laughs> what, what else were you, what were you excited about? If, if, if the, if the mar marching band part was, you know, kind of about one thing and kind of about another thing and, mm -hmm. and what, what were other things that you kind of felt passionate about if you did? So I did, I did newspaper and I did literary magazine. Mm -hmm. Oh, you and had a literary were... magazine. Yes. Yes, we did. I love it. It was not, it was not like a class. It was an after school club. Um, and it was, you know, entirely student run. Like there was a sponsor teacher, but like we, we picked submissions to publish and we like worked on the layout and it was a whole, it's a whole thing. And then we would sell it, uh, I guess to recoup the printing costs. Um, but I think it was like a dollar or something. Sure. It wasn't like, yeah, that's not nothing. What what uh what would people 
So the submissions were all high school students who were writing yes. and, and submitting to yes. this. To, were there a lot of submissions? Was it hard to make decisions? Or was it sort of like, luckily, we have just enough room for each person who submitted something? <laughs> uh, there were not a lot of submissions. No, I remember kind of disdainfully allowing certain things in just <laughs> because we needed we needed more content. Uh-huh. <laughs> just no. like, well, I don't think this is very good, uh-huh. but I guess we don't really have enough pages, do we? <laughs> Would would they write stories? Were they op-ed pieces? I don't know why I'm so tickled by this. I loved writing when I was in high school. But again, I Mm -hmm. didn't participate in any kind of uh, after school. You know, I didn't write for the newspaper or, you know, anything like that. I just liked kind of creative writing. And we certainly didn't have a literary magazine that I know of. Mostly poetry. Mm. Um, Maybe like one or two short stories. But yeah, mostly poetry. Gosh, you must have been so excited when a short story came in because it would eat up more pages. <laughs> Ugh, this poem is only half a page long, guys. Can someone please write an epic poem, please? <laughs> Will somebody please break up with their boyfriend so we can get a longer <laughs> poem in here? <laughs> Will someone please discover Ani DeFranco for the first time <laughs> and, and begin writing a series of poems inspired by her beautiful lyrics? Oh, did you write in it or did it become sort of, well, now that I'm working on the backside of it. Okay. So you would still. I did. I had several poems in it Gosh, I, and I felt kind of shy about being, you know, a staff member and also publishing in the magazine. Uh, but, uh, uh my peers, uh, selected it. So I did not feel like I pushed it through. <laughs> <laughs> What, what were the, do you remember any of the poems? Like, what, do you have, still have them somewhere in one of the copies of your magazine? I'm just assuming some of it went straight to the Smithsonian, but um, do, you have, <laughs> do you have copies of that stuff? Uh, yes. It, um, at my parents' house, I do. Um, now I'm going to ask but... you, I just want your mom to call and I wish you could call <laughs> into the show. This is not that situation whatsoever. But if she could just call it in and read one of your poems, I, I, that would oh make my me gosh, so yeah, I don't actually remember what they're about. Honestly, I'm not even I'm not even being cagey yeah, right no, now. No, I trust you. But if you had to hazard a guess, <clears throat> do you feel that they would have been environmental, romantic, like <sighs> probably not romantic? Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really have a serious relationship the entire time I was in high school. Okay. Uh, I pined for a lot of people, mm. so there was a possibility that there was some some longing, mm-hmm. um, but no specifics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, probably some some alienation in there for sure, uh, but yeah, like, I don't remember you, any specifics. Just that would be a poem that was like she stands alone in a yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I no, not it. any like. Not any like I am the subject of any kind of, you know, bullying or, you know, I'm not being ostracized. It's more like a like a spiritual loneliness. Oh, sure. That's (laughs) listen. that's an age where many of us felt like we first became acquainted with a deeply mature sense of isolation. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Misunderstood. Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. This is NASA. 
Uh, I see a flat earth, but we should lie to everybody about it and say it's round 10-4. Maximum Fun brings you the latest podcast, an expose on the flat earth. I want to take advantage of humankind and make them believe a lie so that they will trust us with the government. It's all an elaborate lie, and when you get on a plane, they purposefully fly you farther than you need to go. It's disgusting. It needs to be stopped. And if you listen to Ono, Ross, and Carrie, we will tell you the truth behind the lies. Just kidding. kidding. No, we won't do that. We will just tell you the truth behind the truth because what we do is we look at extraordinary claims. That's right. We've gone undercover with alternative medical treatments, fringe religious groups, fringe science claims, the spiritual paranormal. We're there to check it out and let you know what happens. Is the Queen Mary haunted? I don't know. Find out. We show up. We make friends. We learn what happens when you ask questions and we tell you all about it. And we get all that funky stuff done to us. It's Ono, Ross, and Carrie at MaximumFun.org. I went through a phase where I I was so in love with like Dylan Thomas poetry that all I wanted mm. to do was just describe things but turn adjectives into verbs and nouns into verbs yes, and adjectives. Yes. Like I was so into that and and Bray Bradbury did a lot of that too and I loved his his writing so much yes I feel like so much of my right my creative writing during that period was just like describing you know the cracks in the sidewalk as the autumn leaves sort of tumble along the sidewalk because oh so many autumn leaves and I'm from Arizona (laughs) where there are just no autumn (laughs) leaves so whatever I was trying to connect with was all in my imagination uh, yeah, because there's this, I mean, that's what I, I'm always interested in. You know, I mean, through through the years of the podcast, from time to time, I'll have a guest who really was just very politically active in, in high school or, you know, ve- very much connected to sort of what I would cons- what I, what I would have considered big world kind of ideas that I just didn't. I just didn't care about. Right. Or, or if I cared about them, I, I didn't I wasn't involved on any kind of a. A real yeah. level, and so you know, every once in a while, I'll have somebody who talks about, you know, the the political poetry that they wrote about refugees or something, and I just feel like such oh my a gosh. mob for not for not having any <laughs> sort of you know relationship to that uh, when I was that age. Did you play any sports or anything? Uh, there was one year where I ran track. I ran track my sophomore year, um, but I only participated in one meet. The meets were always on evenings and weekends, and I was like, no. I don't think so. Uh, so I would go to practice and I did that my sophomore year. Um, I didn't know that was but, an option that you could, that you could do it and go to practice and stuff, but then not really compete in the. I don't know for sure that it was really an option. <laughs> I, I remember at one point the woman that was coaching was like, um, you're going to have to tell me if you're not coming, cause I don't want to write you down for a race and then you don't show up. And I'm like, Oh yeah, no, I won't, I won't ever be coming. <laughs> I went to one, I ran like the 400 meters in one, one race. And I remember I got like third or fourth. I mean, it was not competitive and I was like, well, that's it. Uh, and, and also I, I did hurdles. She was trying to get me to do hurdles for a while. Were you tall? Was and there I was, a reason that she, no, I, I have been five, four for like 20 years now. Um, she I, I don't know why. She saw hurdles. 
Yeah. I mean, I'd like to say it was because I also did dance class for a long time. And so maybe I was particularly graceful and she thought that was why. Mm -hmm. But I think more likely she couldn't find somebody and I didn't have a particular skill set that, you know, really matched me up to anything. And so she was like, oh, why don't you try hurdles? Let me blow your mind. (laughs) Let me blow your mind. What if she was like, you know, Rachel, you're having trouble committing to this. And you and, and I'm wondering if maybe that means you're having trouble committing to more things in your life. And maybe what you need to do <laughs> is you need to stop running away from those metaphorical hurdles. And I think I can really help this girl. I don't know. I switched oh. into the third person. Now she's not talking to you anymore. She's, like, she's writing in her journal at night. I think she's I can turned really away from the girl. camera. <laughs> I think I can really make a difference in this girl's life. If I can get her to run those or cross those hurdles, she's going to, she won't be afraid of anything ever again. Oh man. I mean, that's very possible. (laughs) But it didn't, but it didn't happen. It didn't work. No, no. She probably, she may have quit teaching after that year. You may have been the student that she, that's where she lost hope. If I can't get her on board, what good am I as a mentor? What kind of dance was it? Was it like the dance I was in in high school where it was just sort of a mishmash of, I guess it would be called modern dance because it was sort of like, we're going to teach you a few different things of everything. So I went to a community center not far from my house and it was like once a week and we did ballet tap and what we called jazz, which was basically modern dance, but like modern in like a, you know, cheerleading halftime show kind of dance. <laughs> okay. Like hip hop, you know, like. Or- yeah yeah okay yeah uh and the woman that taught it was there the whole time i was there and it was you know very low stakes we did one recital at the end of the year um and everybody kind of moved up as they got older um and yeah i did that i mean i took dance class on and off from like age three all the way up to age 17 um but it was always like at a community center one day a week like not anything um you know, particularly, uh, strenuous. Right. Would, would you, would part of any of those classes be like you had to compose, you know, a dance to a certain song and bring it back in? Like here's, now I'm going to show off my chops for my, the rest of my class. So there, no, there was, so when you got to your teens, there was a class they called choreography, Mm. which the idea was that if you were in that class, you would work together to create the dance yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually what ended up happening is there was one person in the class who actually did have cheerleading experience and they would basically bring their dance to our class and we would all learn it. <laughs> <laughs> so I never felt any pressure to like put together my own moves, yeah. you know. If you had to do a dance, yep, never mind. I'm going to save that for MASH. Don't even... Just let's all forget. <laughs> okay. Myself, I'm going to jump into that in a second. Anyway, what were the things that you most looked forward to doing, either with your friends or by yourself, um, during your high school years when you weren't at school? Hmm. I mean, I feel like you know, it was again, it was very suburban. It was very 1950s. I feel like most of what we did on the weekends was we would all go over to somebody's house and watch a movie. Or we would go to like Steak and Shake uh, or, you know, Applebee's Mm -hmm. or something. Um, I mean, I was in marching band, so we did like the football games. Um, But uh, bowling was another thing I remember doing. You really 
ice skating. So far, there's very few things that you are. God, you're so right that you couldn't have also been doing. I know. (laughs) I know. I know. Yeah. I, I honestly like it wasn't until my senior year that I, I got like a little more into like the, you know, like rebellious phase. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend group shifted a little bit and I had more friends that were older, uh, you know, that were like in college or of age to, you know, buy alcohol. And so like my, my best friend at the time was dating somebody who was, um, in college and able to get alcohol. So it wasn't until senior year that we started to be like, I don't know, maybe while we're watching a movie, we can also drink a beer. (laughs) Is that what precipitated that kind of friendship was, was the, it was your friend dating an older guy or was there something else that kind of, um, instigated that shift? I mean, one of my, one of my best friends in high school, uh, was actually my best friend starting in third grade. We were friends, um, from third grade, like all the way up into college. Like we just kind of had similar interests and followed kind of the same path. Uh, and she started dating this guy freshman year of high school and it continued all the way to her freshman year of college. Uh, and so, um, I think as we got to senior year, we like I just kind of started to shift away from the overachieving crowd because it seemed like the more subversive crowd was was having fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and and she, you know, she had a bunch of older friends. And so like the activities started to kind of circulate more around her group of people. Do you remember the first kind of I don't want to I'm making it sound so biblical by saying your sort of first transgression into the kind of more subversive. <laughs> but was there were there moments like do you have sort of moments where you remember like, oh, and then someone passed me a cigarette and I thought, dare I? Or, you know, <laughs> do you have any kind of seminal memories like that? Oh, my gosh. I mean, the thing I'm thinking of and it may have been the summer after my senior year. um, my friend's parents were divorced and her mom would go out of town a lot. And so she would have a lot of parties at her house. Um, and she like, nobody knew what to drink at that age. And so mm-hmm. the big drink that she motivated, cause she liked them was, uh, these Jack Daniels coolers. Mm. Do you remember them? Yeah, I do. I, I remember thinking there was like, yeah. Cactus Jack Ugh. was one of them, I think. Yeah. But they were, yeah, they were like really sweet. Ugh. And so we had those, if I remember correctly, which were terrible and I didn't like, but it was kind of the only thing we knew to get. Well, yeah, and I, I, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know why I've never thought about this before because it seems like such a no-brainer, but like who are they making things like wine coolers for, if not young people, who many of whom are too young to drink? Maybe like 65-year-old ladies or 70-year-old ladies, you know, that like have a drinking problem. (laughs) As we all start our slow uh, return to childhood, (laughs) you may reach an age where you're sort of for... A slightly different reason, but somehow a parallel to being a young person, you maybe are <laughs> desiring of of very very sweet wine coolers. Yeah, I had a lot of wine. But coolers. yeah, 
What I remember about high school, though, was that I was not a particularly enthusiastic drinker. And then I had friends that really, really were. And so what ended up happening is I felt like I would have to take care of them. You know, like, I don't know if you remember this about high school, but there were always the people that would go too far. And then everybody would dramatically like cluster around them like... (laughs) You know, just like drink some water, eat some bread. What are you doing? Stop. (laughs) Don't let her have any more. You know, because we'd all seen like a lot of episodes of like (laughs) dramas on TV. Yep. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, Like she's vomiting. Should we call her mom? (laughs) (laughs) She hit me. No, that was probably less likely. Uh, Well, I'm glad that you didn't that you didn't go through a phase of, of being that person, because I, I do think that would be a hard thing to, um, I think that would be a hard thing to remember about yourself. And I could be totally wrong. And, and maybe people who went through that when they were really young are able to kind of just, you know, laugh it off and go, Oh, I was, you know, young, stupid kid. There's lots of stuff I did that was stupid. Um, but I don't think I was that, I don't think I was very often the the person who, yeah, this sort of like, just like lurching around a party you know and then falling over uh I don't I don't yeah I I I I, like if I think back about my teenage years I was I was like needlessly principled I guess like and I was trying to think about that the other day because like I think I always guised it as being like feminist you know, of just like, like, I don't want to compromise myself and, and fall into any kind of stereotypes and, you know, be too vulnerable and weak. And, and I have to be independent and, and, you know, always like put forward this very mature face. But I think really what it was is like, I was just like, I was just, I felt like I couldn't pull off, mm. you know, that, that kind of like more like frivolous, fun party person. Like I just felt like I couldn't pull it off. So I like swung really hard in the other direction yeah. of just like a, a like I, I would never do that. And I'm always in control and, and like, you know, tried to act like it was an intentional choice. I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and I think that's very insightful. And I, I, now that I'm thinking about it, I do feel like a lot of my friends who were more, uh, who were more like that than, than I was, but you know, who were definitely friends and they were a lot of them were kind of the people that I had gone to school with longer and who were really smart and you know honor students but were fairly um inexperienced with with certain things and and I I do think that there there was there was an element of that that I'm now I'm realizing it wasn't yeah it wasn't necessary it may not have necessarily been that all of that stuff was that hardwired. It may have just been um, a, a different kind of insecure response to the environment, which, by the way, you know, also being reckless and suddenly going crazy and starting to have sex or taking, you know, taking drugs or getting drunk all the time or whatever um, is probably sprung from a very similar source, um, but just manifests in a different way, right? I mean, it's still, there, there's just like this insecurity underneath that completely makes sense and makes us all human at that age but it's sort of the the way that we the way in which we end up feeling most comfortable expressing it or trying to hide it as the case may be um i really summed that up like i was a dr phil uh (laughs) let's get into this mash game shall we i think we all know where i'm starting i will be starting with if you had had to choreograph a dance (laughs) in high school uh give me three songs that you think you would have picked to choreograph a little number to. Oh my gosh. 
Oh, um, I mean, the kind of music I was listening to at the time was not really appropriate. I was like a big fan of Fiona Apple. And so I can't <laughs> maybe um, maybe Shadow Boxer okay. by Fiona Apple for one. Um, oh, my gosh. Uh, da, da, da. I mean, I I. I did like uh, Dave Matthews Band, uh, <laughs> so I'll say Ants Marching. Great, 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 great. Um, and then, uh, gosh, I want something like more poppy, uh, but it's escaping me right now. Uh, so I'll say, um, I'll say No Scrubs right. by TLC. Great. Great, great. I'm very bitter that I'm not going to get to see any of these dances. <laughs> it troubles me. Uh, okay, next uh, next one, let's do three places that are real, places in the world, uh, if you could get there with no you know headache whatsoever, three places that you would like to have a vacation home. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, who... Oh, um... So my husband and I, for our honeymoon, went to Japan, mm. which was incredible. Yeah. Um, and uh, so like a, a vacation home in Hakone okay. would be incredible. It's like a like a spa resort town. Um, where else? Uh, a vacation home. I so I lived in Chicago for three years and I absolutely love it. Um, yeah, and when I say vacation, it doesn't mean like for me, vacation is not necessarily sitting on a beach, you know, in the yeah. sand. I like to I like to be in cities a lot. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I I still have friends that live there, and I I like feel this kind of sadness that I don't live there anymore sometimes, and so it would be nice to just have a place, a place that was ready to go, um, and. Uh, I think for my third place, I mean, probably New York. Great. I I have been there like, I don't know, not a dozen times, but pretty close to it. And I still feel like I haven't spent enough time in that city. Yeah. <laughs> I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, it's, it's, it, I don't know that anybody could peel back all the layers of, of life mm-hmm. in New York. Um, okay, great. Okay, so this next one, I'm pretty new. <clears throat> I'm sure you'll see where the inspiration for this one comes, but let's say you have, you'll end up with one of these three dollhouses. Now they are, do- okay. it be a dollhouse based on some sort of fictional place. Um, and not only can, do you have this dollhouse, but you yourself can sort of like shrink down and just like hang out in this dollhouse. Oh my gosh, um, this is good. So, th- <laughs> so three, <laughs> three dollhouses, um, whatever that means to you that, that sort of are different from one another, you know, whether it's like, you know, Pee Wee's actual playhouse or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, I've got to say Pee Wee's Playhouse. Right. I, I have to. Like, I, I, that would be incredible. Um, I'm trying to think of some of my, like, favorite television shows, because that's, like, my instinct yes. is to, like, go and actually be present in, like, a, 
a set that I really liked. Yeah. Um, um, oh man. Um, I think, oh, Ooh, Downton Abbey. Great. That would be incredible. You know, I never finished, I never finished that show. It got real bleak Uh and we just kind of, we just kind of stopped watching. I've done that with several shows. That one I did finish out though, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I really kind of, ah, I'm always fascinated with those, like, those shows that take place in and around the White House. Like I've watched oh, yeah. a lot of them. Yeah. So I think I, I think I would want to have like a, like a White House experience, um, you know, may, not preferably not under the yeah. current administration. If I could, get, White House yeah, if I could walk around in Obama's White House, that would be incredible. I love that. I think that's a, a, a and those are incredibly strong choices for the new category that you <laughs> essentially invented yourself by telling me uh, when we had this whole conversation about dollhouses. Uh, okay, next category, three foods that in our reality are either, you know, you're allergic to it or it's, it does, you, if you ate too much of it, you'd feel sick or it's something that you had once in Chicago, but you've, you know, you can't have it uh, with, with any regularity. So three foods that in this alternate universe um, you have at your leisure, snap of your fingers, zero ramifications. So are we talking very like specific meals specific that I would like to eat want, constantly? As general as you want. If you were like, I wish I could mm-hmm. eat cookies uh, every day and just have as many as I wanted with no issues, or it could be something mm-hmm. very specific. I mean, sushi for sure. Which feels kind of like a bougie choice, but I can't, I can't help it. Uh, we like what we like. <laughs> I, I, can't, I cannot say that sushi wouldn't be on my list either because there are a number of mm-hmm. reasons that I wouldn't eat it with the regularity I probably would if I could. Uh, pecan pie. Oh, nice. Huge pecan pie fan. Uh, and I mean, when you said Chicago food, I just immediately thought deep dish pizza. I, I used to be able to handle it pretty well when I lived in Chicago, which was right out of college. So I was in my early 20s, which is like peak eating terrible things and surviving. But I imagine I imagine now I could not handle it especially well. (laughs) Well, in this universe, get ready because you may end up with unlimited amounts. Uh, okay, let's do next category. Listen, I got to get this out of the way because I always feel a little guilty when I know and like the uh, per- a person's significant other. But this is MASH. So three people that in this <laughs> alternate universe, they can be characters. They don't have to be real people. They can be people from any place and time uh, that you would want to mm-hmm. have a romantic uh, adventure with. Oh, man. Okay, so and this is not going to come as... Uh, any surprise to my husband Griffin, uh, but I would say 1980 Scott Bakula. <laughs> Great, for sure. <laughs> um, it's it's hard not to go back to my youth, yeah. which makes it difficult because I have to be kind of an appropriate age because I was a big fan of Fred Savage on The Wonder Years. Oh, sure. Sure, sure, sure. Like so much so that I wrote him a letter Aww. when I was like a kid uh, that he he never responded to. Uh, There's time. 
<laughs> he may be exactly. still going through his backlog. <laughs> uh, so I, I've got to say Fred Savage, but very specifically, like if I yes. was a teen yeah. and he were a teen. Yeah, that, I think that that's understood. Nobody's going to walk away from this calling the police saying that you're a pedophile. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. And I don't have any longing for him now yeah. as an adult, yep. I will say. Understood. Oh, and... Listen, you're really um, picking a lot of bad boys. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's what I was telling Griffin once. I was just like, you're a combination of all my celebrity crushes in like your, your wholesome, you know, like uh, attractive kind of non-threatening <laughs> <laughs> qualities. I think that's wonderful. I don't know that I was, I mean, I aside from going through like that weird patch where, you know, I just loved Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> For the most part, I feel like I my my selections of of who I was like just really taken with were all just fun, you know, funny, funny. Yeah. Funny. Oh, I will say just to round it out to make I I will say like Harrison Ford is Indiana oh, Jones. Oh, great, 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 great. So I get kind of a an intellectual adventurer. Oh yeah. You know, with yeah. kind of a kind of a dry still wit. some some grizzly. <laughs> yeah. Still got a, got sometimes a real sour puss, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, next category, let's do three characters, three people um from maybe from literature or from comic books or you know, but something the the, the written word, three characters from wherever um that you wish were real and that you could have like a real life friendship with. Oh my gosh. Um so I read Elizabeth Gilbert's book, The Signature of All Things, mm-hmm. uh, and there's a character, a lead character who I think's name is Alma. Okay. Uh, she, the book is incredible. She, it follow, it's kind of like a hundred years of solitude in that it like follows a full like generation, mm-hmm. like multiple generations within the same family. Mm-hmm. And she's this, this woman kind of, um, in a time period where women don't have a lot of agency and she becomes very interested in plants because like botany was an acceptable hobby for women her age, but she like becomes fascinated with moss and writes like all of these like incredibly informative guidebooks and illustrations. And and you follow her like around the world studying moss. And it's, I don't know, I found her very compelling. Oh, sure. (laughs) Oh, that reminds me of, oh, what, is I can't remember which Barbara Kingsolver book title. I mean, I I, I love. Oh, book. did you read this? Book? I read the Poisonwood Bible. Okay, that is not. But I don't know that that yeah, that is not that this. was the one. There is a, oh, I'm so angry with myself because I just love this book. There is a Barbara Kingsolver book that follows three different women um, contemporaneous to one another. One of them is living up in the the like a national forest, probably in the Appalachias, because that's where Barbara Kingsolver's from. Um, and she's sort of living kind of like a like up in a park ranger's cabin, and she's studying um, the coy- the coyotes' migration from the west to the east. And so she has this. She has her whole sort of. Um, solitary existence that kind of ends up getting interrupted by something else prodigal summer i think maybe it's prodigal summer um, oh yeah that and sounds then right she and then the and then there's another girl woman who just lost her husband um who's living on the farm that she and he had together but it really belongs to the family um so they're sort of trying to come in and take back over the farm but anyway she has a she has a love and interest in moths which is what made me think of it 
And then there's a third. Oh, you know what? The third person, the third person in the story is actually a, an older man. I forgot. So it's two two y- kind of younger women and then an older man, and kind of it follows his path. But I bet you would like that 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 book. It's quite yeah. wonderful. It's quite wonderful. That made me want to read it. I again. mean, I loved I loved Poisonwood Bible. Yeah. So I I, I can see myself. Yeah. Highly recommend. All right. I will add it to my list. Um, okay, so we have Alma from Elizabeth. Uh, we're going to call her Alma, even if we, I know that you weren't a thousand percent sure that was her name, but we know who you mean. Yeah. Uh, and I just need uh, to know. Okay. Um, I think, and uh, see, I can't remember the name of this character. Do people Google on this show? You can Google. <laughs> I, I welcome you to Google. If you Google. Um, it's one of my favorite books. But I haven't read it in forever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Margaret Atwood wrote this book called Blind Assassin. Oh, yes. I do know that uh, book. Yes. And I absolutely loved it. And I can't. Oh, Iris. Yep. Is the narrator of that book. Yeah. Oh, I just I, I think I just put together that her name is Iris and the book is called The Blind Assassin. There's got to be a connection. Mm, there. Yeah. Um, wonderful. Wonderful. Uh and I want to pick, I want to pick somebody kind of outside of like what I'm picking right now are just like super strong, interesting women. Ugh, what a snore. I want to <laughs> pick somebody who's a little bit different, uh, but I'm having trouble. I know there's a, this is a big, small, small torture is the mash game. <laughs> Okay, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a book that I liked a lot as a kid, uh, and I'm gonna say Harriet the Spy. Oh, great! <laughs> I like Harriet's one of those great characters too, where you know she's just a mess. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's somebody that you don't. That's somebody that is. She's so smart. She's too smart for her own good. You know, you sort of see the way her mind works, and you can totally relate to it. And at the same time, you're like, oh, Harriet, no. Um, yeah, I, 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 I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's the, it's the curiosity and oh, the nosiness, yeah. oh, like, absolutely. oh man. Absolutely. Did you ever read any Zilpha Keatley Snyder books when you were younger? No. I wish that I could send you back to your youth and, and acquaint you with Zilpha Keatley Snyder because I don't know if they, I mean, it's not, they're not, it's not necessarily, I don't know. It's been a long time since I read them. So I can't say with any kind of real confidence that, that it would be like, well, you know how everyone reads Harry Potter. Like you can be any age and read Harry Potter and it's sort of, you know, well, there will be something for everyone. I, I, I'm i not sure if, if these books kind of would hold up in the, in the sense of like, oh, still loving to read young adult books, which some do. Um, but they were so they were so important to me and I I'm realizing now that I think there were a lot of only children in them and there was a a lot of this sort of sense of um that that uh, like the like children finding their special secret places stuff like that and sort of the magic and kind of like the 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 way it's fun to be scared as a kid kind of feeling but not in like a <laughs> goosebumps kind of way I've never read those books so I really don't know what I'm talking about she but she had this book called the Egypt game which I've probably talked about in the podcast before which is these three no it's like a little small group of of kind of raggle taggle kids um 
in in an urban setting who f- end up in with like create like becoming obsessed with with ancient Egypt and they sort of create this little club um, and it is one of those sort of like this board moves the wrong way into Mr. So-and-so's you know the back of his blah 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 and we have this little secret place where we get together and we talk about you know Nefertiti and Isis and all this um really interesting like it just that sort of world building you know but in a very practical mm-hmm. way um i she's she's very special but I, something tells me that you probably would have liked those books a lot um okay great okay so i have uh harriet the spy so that moves us into uh, our second to last category let's do three instruments that you wake up tomorrow and you uh really enjoy playing and are absolutely fantastic at without having had to practice oh oh my gosh i always wanted to be able to play the guitar right I had an ex-boyfriend try and teach me, and he taught me the three chords that everybody needs to know, but I didn't retain them. Um, So, yeah, I would I just, you know, those people at a party who are just like, oh, I mean, I guess I guess I'll play a song or two. And then they're they're just incredible. I'm always jealous of that. Uh, Similarly, the piano. I, I like the idea of just like, oh, you've got a piano. Oh, oh well, hold on a second. <laughs> hold, hold on. Everyone, if you could please stop what you're doing. <laughs> I realize you have a piano. It's, I've just realized you have a piano. Please put down your pencils. I'm not sure where you are. Uh, okay, guitar, piano, check. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to I wanna name, name some kind of like really obscure, interesting instrument. Uh, what about like, uh, and I was just talking to Griffin about this the other day. What about the theremin? Oh, great. <laughs> Absolutely. Just like, oh, you have a theremin? Hold on a second. <laughs> Hold on a second. Let me put on my glasses. I don't know why. I just love, I'm not sure what hold on a second allows for, but it makes me very happy. Uh, hold on. Let me tie my hair back. This is great. Uh, okay. And then uh, let's do, okay. So final category, let's do, um, let's do alternate universe profession. So three other things that um, we sort of have these uh, alternate, like the multi-dimension Rachel and in these other dimensions, she's doing these other three things. Oh, I mean, I, when I entered college, I thought I was going to be a journalist, just based on my high school newspaper experience. Um, But then I did not have like the gumption to really follow through with it and instead became an English major, uh, which I don't regret. But there is part of me that always thought like I would be some kind of journalist. Yeah. Uh, So so I'll list that. I'm going to go ahead and say that in this alternate dimension, your nickname is Scoop. Oh, please. <laughs> Great. Um, I, I was interested for a while when I was a kid in being an art teacher. Um, I had this great art teacher in elementary school named uh, Mrs. Seppi, uh, who was very inspirational to me, very supportive. And so I, I love the idea of being that art teacher for kids. Oh, yeah. That's just like... Just like, wow, you're really talented. And just like having that kid decide they're going to be an artist in that moment. Agreed. That's great. (laughs) Uh, And then my third one. Librarian. Great. Yeah. 
I love that too. My friend <clears throat> Caroline in high school was um, knew she wanted to be a librarian and and absolutely did become a librarian. And I always just thought there was something so romantic about that, which it takes a certain type of person to think that's romantic, I think. Uh, well, and I realized, like, at a certain point, I realized that my fashion sense could be categorized in two ways. Like, if I was if I was really going for it, it was a uh, museum docent. <laughs> and then if I was just like everyday workwear, it was librarian. Right. Like, those are my two speeds. Yeah. And so uh, <laughs> you're going to be able to carry that into old age with panache. <laughs> no, I know. You know, you're in great shape. You don't have to. It's not going to be like, oh, she's still trying to dress like she's 20. They're going to be like, and the great thing is she still dresses like she's 20. It's going to be great. Uh, okay, so I'm just going to do this little squiggle thing. So in the next couple of seconds, just uh, tell me when to stop starting now. Stop. Okay. And then um, I guess I can just leave this running. I haven't gotten used to the idea of, um, of having my very own personal Max Fun. I'm, listen, he does other shows. But to have... Julian actually editing the show to where he can yeah. just in and listen to it and cut out unnecessary pauses. Um, I, 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 that's actually something that's fairly new for me. So I'm very excited yeah. that I can do this. Um, and, and, and then he will cut it down for us. So, uh, so just, uh, you know, be alone with your thoughts for a few moments while I tally up these results so that I can give you your 100% guaranteed fictitious mash future. Okay. Okay. Here we go. I'm trying hard not to count out loud. That's not very impressive. That's not an impressive quality. I love that you still do this on paper, by the way. Oh, straight up. Straight up. That you haven't adopted some kind of MASH app. Yeah, a MASH algorithm. Uh, yeah, good. I got this MASH algorithm. Now you don't even have to give me answers because the computer has already uh, assimilated all of your information and can just like spit out a bunch of answers based on your personality it knows your crushes right. and it's ready to go <laughs> that's all it needs <laughs> it's shocking how much you can tell about a person from crushums <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh i was i got so wrapped up in each current category i had already kind of forgotten some of the p answers that you gave and i'm very excited to revisit them and see what you ended up with okay Actually, that was very fast. Listen, that was we were so charming and entertaining all the way through that. I'm not sure I want Julian to edit it down after all. Uh, okay, <laughs> so here is where we have ended up with your uh, alternate universe mash future. I think it's quite extraordinary. I'm very pleased. I want to first congratulate you on your uh, alternate career as a journalist uh, scoop. Scoop, you're doing some great work out there oh, in good. the universe, um, hunting down. Do I have Do I have a trench coat? I mean, absolutely. There's no question that you have a trench okay, coat. Okay, good. You didn't end up with your with your pal Harriet the Spy, and I think that's probably because in this alternate universe, Scoop, you yourself are Harriet the Spy, all Ooh, grown up. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. do, however, have um, this this wonderful friend uh, and and sometime companion Alma from Elizabeth uh, Gilbert's Aww. book. So you've Good. got that you've got that strong uh, woman by your side, and uh, you're learning all about moths. Um, you also have a listen. I don't know what the moth population in Hakone is like, but rest assured, whenever you would like to go oh. there and relax, you have a vacation home in Hakone, Japan. I 
guess it's not surprising then that you have ended up with unlimited sushi. There's no negative ramifications to the environment or to your body. Or oh my gosh. As much as you want, as many different varieties as you want, you ended up with sushi. Um, that has not affected uh, your energy levels. If anything, it, it gives you even more energy, which I know you're going to need because you have uh, a very complicated um, and 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 very impressive routine that you do to Fiona Apple Shadow Boxer. <laughs> This is a lovely world it's you've created. Lovely. Oh, by the way, the, it's a mansion in Hakone. So whatever that means okay. uh, in terms of the style that you would want in that environment. Maybe okay. one of those kind of Ryokan um, places, which, by the mm. way, I stayed at a, in a Ryokan, like the sort of very old school, like, you know, the parchment door, sliding door. Yeah. Stuff that the, it was made for such small people because it's this very old place <laughs> and it's in Japan that the, the staircase was so narrow and the stairs seemed like weird. Uh, they were a weird size for me uh, that I ended up slipping and falling down the entire flight of stairs and like super oh my injuring gosh. my shoulder. Uh, thanks, Japan. Uh, no, that's all me and clumsiness. Let's get back to you, shall we? Uh, okay. Mm -hmm. I want you to also rest assured that the stairs uh, are of perfect proportion in your multi-tier dollhouse that somehow is also Pee-wee's Playhouse. Oh. Uh, which I don't believe he had a lot of stairs, but this dollhouse is multi-level. No. So uh, however that breaks down, um, you can absolutely just zip on into shrink on down and be and hang out in your Pee Wee's Playhouse dollhouse. Uh, and I think that leaves us with just a couple of key factors. I want to reassure you that your relationship with the 1980s Scott Bakula Oh my is God. only made more <laughs> romantic by a quiet evening by the fireside with you serenading him oh. with some theremin. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is incredible. Yeah. You could play like the theme to Quantum Leap on the theremin for him and just oh my gosh. Be putty in your fingers. He'll turn to me and he'll say, Rachel, I hope I never leap again. <laughs> No this leap I've ever taken could be as ma as massive as the leap my heart makes when I see your face. <laughs> There's nothing wrong here that I have to put right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a pleasure and a joy. Rachel, thank you so much for doing the podcast. Uh, I hope we get a chance to see each other in person sooner than later. Um, yeah. Will you tell the nice folks listening of anything that you would like them to be aware of and or check out of yours? Oh my gosh. So, um, we have been with Max Fun for a while. I say me and my husband, Griffin McElroy. Um, we started, and I wanted to mention this to you, Janet, because I wanted to, uh, we started with the network, uh, doing a podcast called Rose Buddies about the Bachelor franchise. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I wanted to say how much we loved Burning Love. Nice. Um, oh. make sure that if, if you never talk about that or if people don't know about it, that they check it out because it is a real treat for anyone that has watched The Bachelor or Bachelorette. I love that somehow <laughs> this turned into you plugging my property. That's very, very satisfying. <laughs> um, but now we have a podcast, me and Griffin, called Wonderful, uh, where each week, uh, and it's on the Max Fun Network, we talk about uh, things that we really like. Uh, and those things can be movies or books or songs or food or or just like little little 
eccentricities that people have. Um, one week I talked about how I like when people use the phrase, no worries. Um, (laughs) so if anybody's looking for like a, a, what we call an enthusiast podcast, I love a good um, enthusiast podcast. I love that you're calling it that. And, uh, Mm -hmm. I cannot support this podcast enough. I think that's, um, I love it. And I love that it exactly as you said, I love that it can sort of be any, it can be a moment. It could be a thing. It can be a trait. It can be yeah. any, any number of things. Because then I would imagine that you're always on the lookout for something, um, and so you're always kind oh, of oh exactly you're yeah always sort of taking in the world as th- through a filter of like what is this something that like I love this is this something I'd want to talk about which I think is so positive exactly I carry that around with you all the time. Um, well, thanks again. Thanks again. And, uh, and I will, uh, hopefully again, see you in the real world. Um, that goes for you as well, listeners. Uh, but until then, talk to you next time on the podcast. Thanks, Janet. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.